Drums, please. Hi folks, today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyAces.com, the premier destination for daily fantasy sports and home to incredible once-in-a-lifetime big-ticket live championship finals for pro and college football, baseball, and basketball. Join FantasyAces.com today and claim your 200% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast. Happy New Year to everybody out there. It's already the final week of the NFL regular season, but don't worry. DFS MVP will be with you through the entire playoff slate. So that's through the conference championships. As long as there is NFL DFS, we will be recording the weekly podcast. I am 4 for 4 senior DFS editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my co-host 4 for 4s Mr. TJ Hernandez. Happy New Year, TJ. Happy New Year, Chris. Uh, ready to get into this week 17 slate, the last full slate of the season. Try to end it on a good note. Most definitely. So, of course, before we move on, this song that played us in was Summertime by Will Smith and... DJ Jazzy Jeff off their 1991 album Home Base and it's finally getting cooler out here you know around the state so we thought we'd use some music to remind you guys of some warmer times but also you know there's a there's a movie out by Mr. Will Smith uh, about concussions TJ so that's uh yeah, I mean, I, I figured it was fitting if if Will Smith is is an NFL movie, we should have a Will Smith song in our NFL podcast. Uh, you know, give him give the Fresh Prince some love. One of the most talented men in the world. Putting he was he was collecting Grammys before he was even the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Squared, man. No, Will Smith. Fresh Prince of Bel Air is one of my favorite shows of all time. But. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have to go uh, check out that concussion movie see uh see how that is um i'm sure it will be pretty controversial um but uh gotta check that one out anyways let's move on if you have been listening every week uh we do a free dfs subscription giveaway so this will be the last week of the free dfs sub giveaway and the winner of this week's free 4 for 4 dfs sub is bk sexy couple so BK sexy great, couple, great name, right? Like, who? Are, please email DFSMVP at four for four dot com to claim your free subscription and to also just tell us who you are. Uh, like, what kind of couple are you? I don't, I've never seen a DFS couple. Do you have a joint DFS account? Like, we want answers. And uh, you know, if you're really from Brooklyn, you know, shouts to you. I'm from the Bronx, so always got to show the 
New York City people some love. But BK, sexy couple, you are the winner. Please holla at us. DFSMVP at 444.com. Okay, let's jump into some week 16 takeaways. And this is something to keep in mind. This season, season's almost over, but as well as just going forward and even in other sports. Um, but it's especially relevant in GPPs, I think. We always talk about this. Vegas won't always be correct. And sometimes you can profit off that. Teams sometimes just come out flat, even when there's a lot on the line. And it usually happens on a road. We saw this with Carolina last week. We saw this with Pittsburgh last week. Came out really flat. Um, and just uh, we're pretty much uh, a dumpster fire for for DFS purposes. And I actually mentioned Antonio Brown's home road splits last week, the fact that he averages about 25 less yards and only one-fourth of his touchdown per game production on the road since 2013 as he does at home. And even in a great matchup we saw last week, Brown put up a pretty average line. I think it was seven catches for 60-something yards. So... Uh, ben Roethlisberger actually also has bad road splits um, since 2013. He's averaging 311 yards at home per game, but only 282 on the road. And then at home, he averages 2.4 passing touchdowns. But on the road, it's only 1.3, which is not very good at all. And uh, he averages one whole more yard per attempt at home than on the road, 8.38 to 7.37. So that's something to think about. Even this week, Roethlisberger's on the road again, but I'm sure his ownership percentage will be a lot lower, so I still think he makes for a good contrarian play in a muscling game and a good matchup, but just something to keep in mind with Brown and Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh offense, uh, passing game especially, when they go on the road for some reason, they just haven't performed as well from a numbers standpoint, and I guess that's why they're still fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, TJ, any week 16 takeaways on your end? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that uh, was pretty glaring was the bad process of, of starting the, the Tennessee defense. It was a, it was a defense that was very popular, uh, minimum salary. Uh, the thinking being that uh, facing Brand Whedon that they would have a very good game. But Tennessee is a team that has ranked near at or near the bottom of the league and in fantasy points allowed and adjusted fantasy point rankings on four for four um, against the pass against wide receivers. And although, you know, Braden Whedon is, isn't a good quarterback by any means, uh, he does have some NFL experience. And we've seen in the past where these uh, men price quarterbacks against really bad defenses come in and succeed. And it's usually a, a really good spot to uh, take advantage of that. And the public and myself as well kind of went the opposite way last week and went with the, the bad defense against the bad quarterback. That, uh, that was, obviously that obviously backfired a little bit. That was a really weird Vegas line because yeah. I, like, I don't bet on games, but if I was going to start, I would have started with that game last week because I believe the Titans were four-and-a-half-point favorites or something like that against the Texans, and that just didn't seem right considering both teams – we're starting backup quarterbacks, but the Texans right. were, the Texans were, are going to win the division, and the Titans are pretty much fighting for the number one draft pick. So I don't, I didn't really get that line, and I think that kind of threw a lot of people off in DFS. You say, oh well, this this minimum price team is a home favorite, and uh, but yeah, I think that was a case of Vegas just getting it wrong and throwing people off. 
Yeah, yeah, it was just it was a really weird spot and kind of a, a trap that, uh, like I said, a lot of us, including myself, fell into, and it, it didn't work out well. Um, a couple other things I noticed is uh, we saw the Cardinals uh, just handle the, the Packers. Uh, you, you can make an argument at this point that Cardinals are the best team in the league uh, with the way David Johnson's been playing. Um, you know, not to overreact because the Panthers lost one game, but just from an all-around standpoint, the way the Cardinals can get after uh, the quarterback um you know they got patrick peterson that they could put on any number one receiver and they can beat you through the air or on the ground uh they're they're might be the best team going into into the playoffs and then uh, we saw with the giants uh without odell beckham uh that team is is not an offense that you want much of uh another spot where uh, myself, including a lot of and a lot of other people, thought uh, like Will Ty would ha- have a good game, but without Odell on the field, uh, Giants just didn't look the same. So, those are just some things I noticed uh, late yeah, that, in the season. That Will Ty, you know, that surprised me too because Ty was actually putting up decent numbers um, before Beckham went down. But I guess that was a function of the coverage focused on Beckham. Ty can easily get those underneath gains, but it actually didn't hurt as much because. Greg Olson had a terrible game. Yeah. Julius Thomas had a terrible game. So really, all the tight ends, you know, no one really performed that well. So if you didn't spend a lot on time, that's what we talk about with tight ends and trying to mitigate your risk by looking for a cheap option at tight end when you can. Tight end is a really tough position to predict. The The top two chalk plays, Greg Olson and Julius Thomas, Olson had four for 40, I believe, and Thomas had two for 12. So even though Ty had a bad game himself, you paid a lot less for Ty. So it didn't hurt you as much, and you were able to use some of that salary elsewhere and hopefully gain an edge. So that's just an example of why we kind of recommend whenever you can find a value tight end, it's usually a good place to start. Absolutely. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's jump into to quarterbacks for Week 17. Uh, right off the bat, I'm gonna go ahead and ignore your home road split advice and talk about Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. <laughs> talk about Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who's $8,800 on Fanduel and $6,900 on on DraftKings. Uh, the Steelers. This is something we'll talk about at the end, but I'll mention it throughout some of my plays too. The Steelers still have a chance to make the playoffs um, if they win and the Jets lose, so they are very motivated to to come out and not come out flat um, in a road game at Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh has the highest team total of the week. They're projected to score twenty eight point seven five points. Uh, Cleveland ranks twenty eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And over the past six weeks, uh, Cleveland is allowing the third highest touchdown rate um, on passes inside the red zone. Uh, so I think that this is a week that uh, the Steelers, we, we know they could put up a big number. Uh, we've seen them attack uh, through the air and on the ground. And like I said, they're very motivated. So I don't think we'll see a repeat of last week. Uh, moving down a little bit in price, two guys that are very similarly priced uh, are Matt Ryan and Eli Manning. Matt Ryan is $7,600 on FanDuel and $5,500 on DraftKings. Eli $7,500 on FanDuel and $5,600 on DraftKings. So basically the same exact price. Uh, both both games uh, feature uh, two teams uh, or two teams that don't have any playoff implications, um, but the Falcons are facing the Saints, who have uh, 
been the worst passing defense, probably the worst defense all around the league. It's been pretty well documented. Uh, Vegas still thinks both of these games are going to be high scoring, despite the fact that uh, both teams aren't playing for uh, a playoff spot. Both games with over-unders over 50. Uh, Falcons have a team total at 28.5. Giants have a team total at 27. Uh, New Orleans, over the past six games, they've allowed touchdown on 59% of all red zone passing attempts. Um, Atlanta has the highest relative team total of the week. They're projected to score seven points over their uh, season point per game average. There is a little bit of a narrative street uh, reason to uh, be on this passing game that I'll get into when we touch on the receivers um, in regards to to the Falcons. And then uh, Eli is facing uh, the Eagles, who rank 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Um, they have the third worst touchdown rate allowed to quarterback since week 11. They've allowed touchdowns on almost 7% of pass attempts. And over that span, Eli is sixth in touchdown rate uh, himself, so he's been doing very well. Uh, we've talked about a regression a lot the past few weeks um, throughout the season. It's it's a stat I really like to look at, especially when we're talking about uh, GPP plays, uh, because when we're looking at regression, it's usually uh, players that have had opportunities to score but haven't turned those opportunities into touchdowns. Uh, my leading touchdown regression candidate quarterback this week uh, is Aaron Rodgers. We know the Packers have been struggling in general. Um, Especially on offense, we saw their offensive line just get uh, just get destroyed last week by the Cardinals. But uh, since week 11, Aaron Rodgers leads the league in red zone pass attempts. He's attempted 45 uh, red zone uh, passes, but he's converted just four of those into touchdowns for a conversion rate under 9%. Uh, the league average for quarterbacks is usually around 25%. They usually convert about a quarter of their red zone passes into touchdowns. For Aaron Rodgers, his career, he's uh, converted over 26% of his uh, red zone passes into touchdowns. So even though, uh, obviously, they don't have Jordy who's been out all season and they haven't been uh, very efficient all around as an offense, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is good enough and uh, Packers are motivated as favorites uh, to try to get this win, win the division, and turn some of those red zone looks into touchdowns. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's the that's really the thing. Uh, you know, I really like Eli this week. I remember last week, uh, last year, excuse me, in week 17, the Giants played the Eagles as well, and Eli, Odell Beckham, and uh, Ruben Randall all had pretty good numbers, and they played the whole game, so... I'm thinking it will be the same. We don't know what's going to happen with Philly just because of the coaching change, but some really good options on teams that are eliminated from the playoffs. So hopefully those guys work out. Moving on to running back. Again, we have to target the Saints. Devontae Freeman is 8,800 on FanDuel and 7,600 on DraftKings. He's the top running back in 2015 per game fantasy scoring. The Saints rank 31st in 4 for 4 strength of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. The Saints have allowed the most total touchdowns in the league offensively. They've allowed 55 offensive touchdowns. That's 3.7 per game. And Freeman has accounted for 41% of Atlanta's offensive touchdowns, and that's with missing uh, parts of games and not even being the starter this whole year. So Freeman accounting for a ton of touchdowns, and this is a game where he has multi-touchdown upside. Then we move on to D'Angelo Williams. 
D'Angelo is just pretty much you can plug and play him every week. He is putting up Le'Veon Bell numbers, and he's still not priced like the way Le'Veon Bell was earlier this year or last year. In starts, Williams is averaging 122 total yards, 1.2 total touchdowns, and 3.7 receptions per game. So that's that's Le'Veon Bell numbers right yeah. there. The Steelers are 10-point favorites against the Browns, and the Browns actually have been improving in uh, the 4-for-4 four four schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed metric to running backs, but Williams is just such a matchup-proof option. He's going to get the ball every week. He's shown that he can succeed even in tough matchups. He can score like against Denver or even when the Steelers' offense comes out flat. Uh, Williams still had a monster game last week, so I wouldn't be worried about matchup as much with Williams because he catches the ball, he gets goal line looks, and he does have a great quarterback that can move the ball in Ben Roethlisberger. So Williams, another staple once again as we close out the season. And then Tim Hightower, 7K on FanDuel, 55 on DraftKings. He's averaging 25 touches a game over his last three games, and the Falcons ranked 27th in 4 for 4s strength of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, so Hightower's got a great matchup. And over the last three games, the Saints have had 19 opportunities inside the 10. That's targets plus running back carries. And Hightower has gotten 9 of those 19, so he's getting a very large share of the Saints' workload in close to the goal line. So that's good news for Hightower. He picked up a couple touchdowns last week. And then I'm not sure yet if Jonathan Stewart is going to play or not, but if he doesn't, Cameron Artis Payne would definitely be an option based on volume because Fozzie Whitaker has already been ruled out for Week 17 with an ankle injury. So if Stewart is also out, Artis Payne would figure to get the entire workload or most of the workload at running back. Um, He'd be an option. I think the only worry with him is Mike Tolbert will probably still be in the mix, um, potentially at the goal line or even on third down. So that caps his upside a bit. But we saw Stewart succeed this season and get a lot of work near the goal line. So uh, Artis Payne, I think, if Stewart's out and Whitaker's out, I think Artis Payne makes a solid option. Anything to add to running backs, TJ? Uh, I th- think you touched on all the, the major values of the week. There there aren't too many uh, running backs. Uh, actually, just across the board, there aren't too many really true pump plays um, across the board this week. There are a couple guys that have seen – uh, increase in workload um, over the last few weeks that are still flying a little bit under the radar. Uh, this one uh, might not uh, be in play just because I saw some news come across Twitter just now. Um, over the last three weeks, Isaiah Crowell um, actually leads all running backs and touches inside the 10, uh, but I just saw that Johnny Manziel had a concussion is what they're saying. Um, so if um, if uh, Austin Davis has to start for the Browns, and that could kind of halt any chances of of them putting up a, a big number in a in a possible 
shootout against Pittsburgh. Uh, another guy, someone that you said uh, you've had people asking you about uh, before we jumped on the podcast is Rashad Jennings. Uh, over the last three weeks, only two backs have more total yards than Rashad Jennings, and he's averaging 6.3 yards per touch over the last three weeks. Um, Giants are home favorites against the Eagles. Uh, Eagles rank 30th in schedule just to fantasy points allowed to running backs. Um, Rashad Jennings is priced 35th on uh, DraftKings. Uh, so uh, he is a possible cheap option. Again, that's one of those games where uh, we don't know exactly what will happen just because uh, two teams uh, aren't playing for a, for a playoff spot. Uh, you can attack Philly through the air. And then if uh, if Giants do get up big, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to turn into a Jennings game just because it might be a spot where they don't want to they they don't really want to give any of their their starter run in a in a big lead with nothing to play for. Um, so there's a little bit of risk there, but it is worth noting his his recent workload. Um, moving on to to wide receivers, start start at the top and work our way down. Uh, all of the top guys this week actually have really good matchups. You look at Julio, Antonio, DeAndre, um, Odell, even Brandon Marshall. Um, they're all those are all the top price guys, and they're all in really good matchups. Um, all against secondaries that have really struggled against the pass, especially against wide receivers. Uh, but I think the play that stands out the most is Julio Jones. I touched on Matt Ryan uh, in the quarterback uh, section. Uh, I mentioned a little bit of narrative street. Uh, Julio Jones is 17 catches and I believe 243 yards away from the season reception uh, record, season receiving yards record for a season. Uh, so th- it could be a situation where if Julio gets hot in the first quarter or the first half, uh, the Falcons could just start force feeding him the ball. They don't have anything to play for. So uh, we've seen in the past where teams will chase that record. We've seen Peyton Manning chase the record. Uh, we've seen the Patriots in the past chase the scoring records when, when in their Randy Moss years. So teams will go after records if they're there. Uh, so Julio has an outside chance to to do something historical. Uh, he's $9,300 on FanDuel, $8,500 on DraftKings. Uh, like I said, all the top receivers are, are bunched pretty much together in price, but on, on DraftKings you get a little bit of a discount on Julio. Uh, he's $800 cheaper than Antonio and $500 cheaper than Odell, uh, so there's a little bit of value there. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, the Brandon Browner Express. Anytime you can get one of your uh, wide receivers just against the Saints in general, but especially against Brandon Browner, uh, we know that that's a really good matchup. And that's reflected on the FanDuel value reports where Julio is the top uh, wide receiver value of the week on 4 for 4. Chris, last week you did a little uh, player A, player B comparison. I thought it was so much fun that I thought I would steal your idea and do it this week. Actually, actually it's Matthew Barry's idea, but I'm stealing right. it from you last week. Uh, so I'll just look at two players, uh, one player that um, is, is all the craze and another one who is, you know, he's been good, but not as hyped as the other one. So player A has a 23% market share over the last six weeks, uh, 7.2 targets per game, leads the league with 15 red zone targets, is accounted for... 50% of his team's red zone market share over that time. Player B, over the last six games as well, also has a 23% team target market share, but he is averaging 9.3 targets per game over that span, so two more targets per game. This guy is second in red zone targets uh, over that span with 14, as opposed to player A's 15, and he's accounting for 45% of the team's red zone market share over that span. 
Uh, player A is none other than Doug Baldwin, likely the hottest receiver in the game. Uh, player B is one of my favorite guys, Eric Decker. Um, both of them were priced at $7,400 on FanDuel, but I suspect that uh, because of his recent hot streak, Doug Baldwin will be uh, much more high-owned. Uh, we don't have Thursday games this week, so we're going to have to make some educated guesses on ownership percentage. And I would guess that uh, this is a spot where you can leverage these similarities and, and target Decker um, in a spot where he's priced exactly the same as Baldwin. Uh, he's actually uh, cheaper than Baldwin on DraftKings. Baldwin's 6700 whereas Decker's 6500 But uh, we see these guys with, with very similar uh, usage. Decker even slightly more in terms of, of game targets. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can really leverage that information because we can't always bank on those touchdowns every game or two touchdowns a game. It's not always the results. It's the process that gets you there. Um, and Decker will be facing a Buffalo team that over the last six games, only two teams have allowed uh, red zone passing touchdowns at a higher rate. Buffalo's allowed 38% of all red zone passes to go for touchdowns since week 11. And we know that when uh, the Jets get in red zone, Decker is Decker's their guy. Uh, Marshall's been scoring from far out, but when they get close, Decker's the guy they're looking at. We saw that at the end of the game last week. Uh, just moving down a couple dollars, uh, Jeremy Macklin, $7,100 on FanDuel, $6,400 on DraftKings. Uh, he's been on a little bit of a tear over the over his last five games. He leads all wide receivers in both uh, total market share and red zone market share. Uh, he is priced outside the top 20 on FanDuel. And again, Chiefs are in a spot where they're playing the Raiders and they're playing to win for a uh, division title. So that means a home game. So they should be very motivated to to put up a, a good offensive performance. So uh, ride that Macklin hot streak at a discounted price. And then a, a cheaper guy, a guy that people are probably going to be off. I mentioned we don't have ownership percentages. This will probably be a very low-owned guy, Martavis Bryant. Uh, he only saw three targets last week, um, so his price is still a little bit depressed. $7,100 on FanDuel, uh, $5,300 on DraftKings, so priced outside the top 30 on DraftKings. Uh, despite... Despite getting just three targets last week, he's still averaging uh, over nine targets per game over his last six. Um, I mentioned we should expect a low ownership percentage, and he'll be facing a Cleveland defense that ranks 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, anything at, at wide receiver from your end, Chris? Um, I was wondering, how do you feel about Baldwin in general this week? Because... He, the last game against Arizona was pretty much what started his hot streak, but that was back when Seattle had a lot more. Um, well, they had Jimmy Graham still. So now I feel like it's a situation where they might concentrate a lot more on him. They might even put Patrick Peterson on him for the entire game. So are you think Baldwin is still a good player? Yeah, I, I mentioned Peterson at the beginning and, and just um, that team in general. I, I think that uh, – they, Peterson has shadowed a bit this year, and I think that if they do take away Baldwin, um, that's kind of been the, the focal point of of this uh, Seattle offense um, this week. Just because there there are guys like uh, Decker that are a little bit more more liable from um, just a season long standpoint, um, and then again from a tournament standpoint, much lower owned. Uh, I, I think that Baldwin is might be the uh that that classic high owned guy that you want to fade uh Vegas does think 
that Arizona is going to fare very well in this game. They're favored by seven at home. Um, so I I can't fault people that want to play Baldwin and ride out that hot streak. Um, but like you mentioned, I, I can see a scenario where uh, they falter at least a little bit on offense this week, the Seahawks. Definitely. All right. Um, let's move on to tight ends. I'll start with Zach Ertz. He is 5,700 on FanDuel, 3,600 on DraftKings. He has 30 targets over his last two games, five catches and or a touchdown in each of the last seven games that he has finished. Uh, He left after 14 snaps in Week 11 due to injury. And the Giants ranked 26th in 4-for-4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two tight ends. They've struggled all year with covering the tight end. Ertz seems to be Bradford's favorite target. Um, I'm not sure how the coaching change will affect anything. I don't think it will too much as far as Bradford because Philadelphia is really never a game plan oriented team anyway. So Ertz just became Bradford's favorite target. Um, and even if they do game plan, I would think they would game plan to attack the Giants with the tight end anyway. So I'm not too worried about Ertz there. He's a great value. Delaney Walker, he's been a top three tight end in fantasy points per game this season. He's 6,200 on FanDuel and 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, the Colts ranked 28th in 4 for 4 schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Walker is averaging 6.1 catches, 71 yards, and .4 touchdowns this season, and he's got six or more catches in 10 of 14 games. And then Zach Miller is 5,900 on FanDuel, 4,600 on DraftKings. Over his last three games, he's missed only eight snaps total. Martellus Bennett is on IR. Alshon Jeffrey is not going to play. Miller has caught five or more passes in each of his last three games since Bennett went on IR. Yardage totals have been there, 85, 57, and 69 in the last three games. And the Lions ranked dead last in 4-for-4, schedule-adjusted, fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Anything else with tight ends, TJ? I mean, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Barnkowski. <laughs> I actually Isn't had just a every up. week plug and play. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just my personal, you know, plug and play. I got you guys don't need to know that I'm gonna play him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's a lot of good tight end values this week, so um, a lot of different ways to go. Uh, okay, kickers, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I. One game uh, that we've talked about a lot that I think you can look at both kickers um, is the uh, Atlanta-New uh, Orleans game. That's just going to be a very high-scoring game that's indoors. Uh, so they don't rank too highly um, in terms of projections, uh, but I think uh, both uh, Kai Forbath and um, uh, Shane Graham are at least worth considering just because we know that game's going to be indoors and high scoring. And this time of year, uh, we want to avoid the elements if we can. I don't think there's too many weather concerns this week. I think it might be a little bit uh, windy and snowy in that New York-Buffalo game. But other than that, I didn't see too much in in terms of weather concerns. Um, Josh Brown, uh, we mentioned the other game that has a 
projected total over 50 points, the the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, Giants are favored at home in a very high-scoring game, so that's a game script that usually favors the kicker. Uh, teams that are favored aren't going to forego the field goal at the end of the game in hopes of catching up. Um, and then the top value on 4 for 4 is Chris Boswell. He's priced at $4,900, um, so you get a little bit pricier than Josh Browns, who's $4,600. Um, so maybe that price increase can... Uh, get you on a guy that might be a little lower owned uh, than someone who is cheaper where a lot of owners try to go for that min salary kicker. Uh, spinning up a little bit more at kicker can give you a nice way to differentiate your lineup. Uh, even though the Steelers are are the one of the teams that like to forego the extra point, um, I think they'll have enough scoring opportunities, enough field goal opportunities where Chris Boswell can still put up a good number. Yeah, I think Boswell is kind of that same example of, you know, when people try to avoid stacking multiple players on the same team and then the same right. reason people try to avoid uh, using Boswell because they know Steelers don't always go for the extra point. But mm-hmm. because Boswell is just on such a good offense, he's been one of the top kickers uh, yeah. this year. So, again, it's all about the offense and the amount of points they're going to put up. It's not always, you know, it's not always as cut and dry as, okay, well, they're not going to attempt as many extra points. Like the amount of extra points they attempt, even when foregoing might still be more than most teams just because they're right. scoring so much more. So let's move on to defenses. The Carolina Panthers are 10 and a half point favorites against the Bucks. The Bucks team total is currently sitting at 18.3. Uh, Panthers are at home. They should be motivated to lock up home field with a win they probably have a nasty taste on their mouth from losing last week so i think they'll come out motivated and they should make for a good play uh the rams the 49ers have cleared 17 points only once in their last nine games (laughs) and they needed overtime to do it and that was in a 26 20 win against the bears in week 13 so Rams 49ers has an over-under of 37.5. That's one of the lowest over-unders of 2015. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites, so San Francisco's team total is 17, which is probably high considering they've only cleared that once. So the Rams make for a good play, very reasonable cost across the industry. Let's get into our DFS theory topic. We're just going to talk about how to deal with Week 17, go into a little more detail, kind of run through some of the games, see who's motivated, who's not, who might be risky. I know we touched on it earlier, but um, Josh Moore, 4 for 4's owner, uh, wrote a very useful article on 4 for 4 this week, and it's entitled Wacky Week 17, So Who's Motivated? And I'll post a link with the podcast but basically it just goes over every game and every team and breaks teams into highly motivated slightly motivated uh, teams that are eliminated and teams that are actually motivated to lose so i'll just run through uh some of the some of the points i took away um the browns and the titans are both fighting for the number one draft pick so they actually have an incentive to lose so the Steelers defense and the Colts defense make for interesting GPP 
defense selection because, again, both opponents have an incentive to lose. Uh, TJ, you said you just saw that Manziel had a concussion, so that could be the the Browns just packing it in and trying to get that number one draft pick. Starting Austin Davis is always the way to, to lose the game, so that could work out well. And then another thing we've talked about, the Giants-Philly games in New Orleans-Atlanta, they both have over-unders over 50 this week. So I guess Vegas doesn't think that they're really going to rest players. Um, These are two really uh, close, high-scoring spreads. Um, A lot of bad defenses involved in these games. So I would say I'd probably go about targeting these games as usual just because – it's really tough to guess which teams are really going to do anything different in Week 17, if any. I don't think these two teams, uh, these four teams really have um, given any indication that they will. So, And then the one team to avoid is the Redskins. They have everything locked up. They're locked into the four seed. They've talked about resting players. Um, so that's something there. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's going to be – a lot of potential to target some players in good matchups who maybe don't have playoff implications just because people maybe are scared of, of that. So there might be some good chances in GPPs to capitalize on some low ownership. What I would say, though, is this week especially, um, we've talked about this before, I probably wouldn't play as many 50-50s if I played cash games um, because – if you're just throwing out a lineup and you, you're playing against the field, a couple of crazy things could happen and could go wrong and you could fall below the cash line. Um, if you're playing head-to-heads and you're playing against a bunch of different people, even if you maybe have some players that don't work out for whatever reason because it's Week 17, the chances are that you'll face opponents who also have some of those type of players as well in head-to-head. In 50-50, it could burn you a lot more. So... Uh, TJ, uh, you want to talk a little more about just how to deal with Week 17? Yeah, like you said, this year is pretty interesting because uh, only the Redskins are in a spot where they're locked into their uh, their playoff seed. Uh, everyone else is playing for seeding, for home field advantage, for a home game, for a division title. So that's really good in terms of uh, rostering players from those games uh, even with that being said I think there's an argument to be made for um, at the very least uh, cutting back on your cash games and even possibly just foregoing cash games in general uh, that we've just seen so many unforeseen circumstances in week 17 uh, that to roll out a full uh, full complement of games that you usually play to have something like um, I don't know, a team team get down big unexpectedly and they just pull their starters because they don't wanna they don't wanna fight for this game where there's there's nothing really to play for. Um you just never know. There's players playing for jobs, there's coaches uh coaching for their jobs. Uh you know, teams might be using week seventeen at, as a chance to get a final look at a couple of players that haven't got any run throughout the season. Uh so if there are any players on your team from uh from teams that aren't playing for a playoff seed, uh, there is some inherent risk there in week 17. Um, so at least consider scaling back those cash games a bit, uh, which I think I'll definitely do. Uh, thought about not playing cash games at all, but um, 
I'm a degenerate, so I'll probably end up. I'll, to be honest, I'll probably end up playing a, a full compliment just because I'm a sick human being. But the the sharp thing to do <laughs> is to cut back on it a little bit. I think. No, definitely. That's what I was kind of getting at as well. You know, um, definitely cut back, um, especially those fifty fifties, those double ups. Those can get really risky, but. Um, just a lot of things we don't know, but at the same time, in, in tournaments, a lot of people will probably go towards the the, the playoff the games, the teams with playoff right. implications. So um, that is pretty much all we wanted to talk about there for Week 17. So you have you have the Bengals, the Broncos, the Jets, the Vikings, Packers. Patriots, those teams should all be highly motivated. Uh, The Texans, Steelers, highly motivated as well. The Panthers, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. All these teams uh, have something to play for. Uh, We mentioned the Colts have an incentive to win, even though they have a slim, slim, slim chance of getting in the playoffs. Um, uh, The Titans have an incentive to lose. So, uh, again, the Colts, probably a defense that nobody will touch, but you never know. They they could... uh, they could capitalize, maybe run a uh, fumble or something like that back for a touchdown. And uh, the Chiefs, they aren't as motivated, but they could win the division, so they, they should still be playing hard as well. And um, that about covers all of the um, teams that do have playoff implications, in case you guys are wondering. But again, check out Josh Moore's article. It's a really good article. goes through every game and every team and talks about which teams have the most motivation but that will about do it for us for week 17 thank you very much for listening to dfs mvp all season long as i mentioned we will still be recording throughout the playoffs excuse me i'll probably have a briefer podcast uh, just go through each game game by game talk about any cash game plays tournament plays just our outlook for the game, so keep tuning in to DFS MVP. Subscribe, uh, give us some rates and reviews. We really appreciate it. Uh, and have a happy new year. Um, you can find TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week 17. Let's get this shmoney. Shmoney. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back cause it's the summertime.